0: The Ram Dama's Kingdom by Robert P. Fitton Episode 17, A New Reality McGee, as they moved through the central control sector, was insistent, and Kellogg agreed that they should arm themselves. Although the general still had the neutralizing cylinder strapped to his waist, both men knew the Ram Dama well enough to know he might attempt to sacrifice the whole sector just to eliminate them. After they raided the weapons cache, however, the Zomes alerted Jarrell. The Silver Zome commander was in the transmission room. He focused on the tunnel leading to the XB plant. He could see McGee leading the others upward, but he was at a loss to what they had in mind.
1: Shall we attempt to stop them?
0: Asked the Red Zone further down the corridor.
1: No, you fool. Look carefully, will you? The General still has the cylinder. Order the zones into the plant and do exactly what Kellogg says and wait there till I arrive. I don't want them investigating the XB. What about the tanks? Drain the tanks, Eric. Begin that right now. I'm on my way down there.
0: So this is the area Our intelligence couldn't penetrate, said Aaron as they moved inside the plant. Your intelligence didn't have this, said Kellogg, pointing to the cylinder. Like you said, General, it's our insurance policy, said McGee, holding the rifle upward. He could see the blue liquid bubbling down the tanks. General, what's in those tanks? That's where the nutrients are mixed, answered the General. Then let's get down there before they drain it out, said McGee. The elevator is over here, motioned Kellogg as he led them to the left. "'Just what do you think is in there, McGee?' asked Daka. "'They all stepped into the clear-shelled elevator. "'I'm suspicious of the way this has been handled.' "'McGee, I tell you, I feel fine,' said the general "'as the elevator took them down to a lower level. "'The Zomes watched from a distance as they ran across the pink floor "'over to the metal ladders by the side of the tank. "'McGee climbed ahead of the others.' But when he reached the top of the ladder, the blue liquid trickled down the drain holes at the bottom of the tanks. He climbed over and slid down the side. A thin residue remained on the drain holes, and the smell of honey was in the air. As the others came to the tanks, he reached over and ran his index finger over the holes, accumulating some of the blue gunk on his finger. He carefully studied it in front of his eyes. What is it, McGee? Daka asked as she walked over to him. I don't know, but I can't see it that closely. Maybe we could bring it to the repair center. Right, they could analyze the contents, said Aaron. So small, mumbled McGee, holding up the liquid. He walked across the tank to a bright light in one of the input tubes. He looked very closely this time, the light flowing through the blue material. Brilliant blue grains were suspended within the lighter blue liquid and more a very minuscule red pattern apart from the blue grains. He spotted a central core surrounded by star-like edges. He moved his finger away and readjusted his eyes. First thing he did was to look at Kellogg. There was something in that mix that might have affected the general, and he wondered whether he should even bother telling him. The general might push the button and they would all be dead. Did you see anything, McGee? Asked the general, a touch of apprehension in his voice. I think, uh, he said, pausing, I think we should wait and have this stuff examined. Right, that's a good idea, said the general as several contingents of zomes appeared at the far end of the tank, running along the top wall. Damn, yelled the general as he saw them. My bluff has been called. He aimed the rifle at the zomes. The whole contingent was mowed down, some exploding apart. Kellogg! Are you crazy, Kellogg? he yelled as he grabbed Daka's wrist. Everyone in the tube, now! Once they were inside the tube, McGee led them forward past the other conduits and openings. Why did you do that, General? cried Aaron. Now you've got them ready to kill us. You have the bomb, Kellogg, shouted McGee, his voice echoing around the inside of the tube. This will put the Ram Damar over the edge. That's why I fired it. I thought, and I may be right, that they were ready to come after us on his orders. Maybe he doesn't care about the Sector anymore. We don't know that for sure. Now we have to get out of the building, and don't ask me how we're going to do that. Think you made a fatal mistake, General? You have the power of your bomb. No, McGee. This is only a first-level bomb in the cylinder. That's what you meant about calling your bluff, said McGee. Are you telling me that bomb will not blow up the Sector? asked Aaron. I don't believe this, said McGee. Believe it, McGee, you still haven't learned how to make people believe what they want to believe. I made a living at it, General. Except you were a better liar than I was. Another bluff, incredible. McGee wandered forward, scanning the writing on the inside walls of the tubes. They were clearly marked as water conduits. He turned back to the others. Am I correct, or are there not reservoirs in this sector? "'located right under the mountain ranges.' Two, said the General. "'They hold all the water for the top 15 sectors. "'Then we have to go that route. "'Especially now that we know we can't blow up the sector. "'You can't go on faking them out forever, General.' "'Then what, McGee?' asked Daka. "'Any fool knows there are nuclear waste buried around the mountains.' "'Right. But around that reservoir, "'they're not going to bury it around the water, right, General?' I don't know, McGee. It's all one big chance. And we don't even know what lies beyond the mountains, Aaron told him. More ocean or desert or the Citadel and the Ram Dama. In my opinion, we have no choice. The zones will be inside the tubes in minutes. Then we have no choice, said Aaron. Aaron is right, Kellogg argued. Let's get out of here now while we can. McGee nodded. They moved out and entered a smaller tube, more dimly lit by the overhead light blocks. Water dripped from the top of the dank corridor as they ran, and they knew there was also the possibility the Ram Dam Ark demand water be brought into the tubes, and then their troubles would soon be over.
1: I don't know why he fired,
0: complained the incensed Gerald. The other Zom who had followed Kellogg in the corridor hurried over to his commander.
1: Eric, they are in the water passageways. A hundred different tubes. Yes, I know that. Over... Kellogg, that bomb. Your honor, sir. Pursuit. Only at a safe distance. Use scanners. We will follow their trail. The main thing is to get in contact with them. I am baffled. He could be plotting to use the bomb. I just don't know. We have to make him relinquish control of the cylinder. That won't be easy, Commander. That's what we want. You will attempt to talk to the General. Promise him anything.
0: Said Gerald as
1: another Zome came running over. Commander Gerald, the third Predicator is waiting for you to call him. Tell him I... I am involved. He shouted as the Zome stared at him. Well, do it. And Herrick, Begin the pursuit. You know, if Kellogg hadn't got in that supply room, we wouldn't be having this emergency. Then why not just flood the tanks, Gerald? Asked Herrick as the other zones were gathering around him. He has the cylinder, Herrick. Whether he is trying to fool us or not, I cannot take the chance. Now get after him.
0: Kellogg trailed behind the others inside the poorly lit tube. Aaron called ahead to McGee to slow down. Huffing and puffing, the General lumbered up to them. I... "'I have to rest,' he told them, as the sweat dripping from his forehead. "'I think they gave you too much leisure time, General,' said Aaron. "'I'll second that,' McGee said as he came back. "'You never had an ounce of fat on your body, General. "'I can still press this bomb,' joked the General. McGee smiled back. "'You look flushed, General. You look flushed. "'Just need a short rest here. I'll be fine,' he said, leaning against the wall. "'Good.' "'We may have a lot of mountain climbing,' said McGee. "'Must be near sunset now. That could be to our benefit.' "'You are too optimistic,' said Docker, holding him briefly. "'You just think we're going to walk right out of here, don't you?' "'You're right. It won't be that simple, but I find it's the only way to think.' "'Right. You're right, McGee,' said Kellogg as he took a deep breath. "'I don't want to hear anything negative. "'We are going to make it out of this wretched mess and get back to Earth.' Is that an order? smiled Aaron. You bet it is, answered Kellogg. The general was ready to move again. The pipe lengthened into a straight line. they had easily been several miles, and the end looked in sight. A huge metal valve, perhaps 30 feet in diameter, marked the end of the conduit. Trapped, said Aaron succinctly. That valve, said Docker, could control all the reservoir water. And if we puncture it, said McGee, we could rupture the whole system. Or we could try, suggested the General, to blow a hole in the side of this tube. The water is more likely to be in front of us. We don't know that for sure, reminded Daka. Look, we do know the Zomes will be chasing us, argued Kellogg. We have no damn choice. The nearest opening was miles back there, he said as he raised his rifle. Ah, General... McGee winced. McGee, sometimes you have to do what you have to do and not think about it. McGee thought back to the jettisoning of the SRT and a dozen other things Kellogg had done because he had to do it. He didn't bother to stop the general this time. Kellogg aimed the rifle at the tube floor, and blue light pierced a clean hole in the pipe. Smoke moved upward from the tubing shell, but there was no water. Aha! I see light. I don't know if I could have done that, confessed McGee. I wouldn't have taken the chance. Kellogg raised the weapon again, producing a round circle about five feet in diameter. Then he kicked it through with his boot heel. Below was a lighted area of gray stone. Congratulations, General, you did what you had to do, said McGee. Remember that, McGee, he said, raising his index finger. You don't think about it, you just do it. When the tube had cooled, they made their way through the hole, jumping about ten feet to the stone floor below. Kellogg dropped the cylinder to McGee before he jumped. When they were all in the lower area, he looked at the expanse around them. The stone shell from one of the reservoirs, perhaps four hundred feet above them, bulged outward. Connected to the shell were dozens of wide conduits spaced a few hundred feet apart, and subdivided into smaller tubes like the one that had just come out. The outside wall was a sheer rock ledge. "'What do you think?' asked McGee. "'Follow the space between the wall and the rock?' "'I think we should just blow this place up,' said Kellogg. "'General, I can't allow you to stay here and push that button,' said McGee. "'Come on, McGee, I have no intention of blowing myself up. "'That cylinder has a 15-minute timer on it, "'which means we'll have to get out of here before it goes off,' said Aaron." These reservoirs can be cracked. It will wash right into the control sector. That just might buy us time to get away. Fifteen minutes isn't much time, said Daka. We'll set it once we find an opening, ordered Kellogg. Let's go, he said, marching out ahead of them. Once again, there seemed to be no doubt in the general's mind as to what should be done. They followed him between the reservoir and the rock, hoping Kellogg knew what he was doing. Gerald grew increasingly uneasy. He had been waiting by the conduit entrance. Inside, Herrick advanced with a contingent of zones. They moved very cautiously down the pipe, tracing the trail of the insurgents with a scanning device. Herrick was very much aware that Kellogg might use the bomb. They moved too quickly. Back at the tanks, Gerald looked to his right. A zone brought a
1: portable screen inside. I did not order this. I have my orders from the Third Predicator. He is waiting for you," said
0: the Zom as he activated the screen. The Ramdamar and his blue light came into view.
1: How dare you not answer my calls, Gerald? I have finally been told what is going on. Unless this situation is successfully resolved, I will hold you personally responsible. If they get away, you will be deactivated and your remains ground into the XB mix. I have a contingent in the pipes through predicator. Then you'd better hope that they are
2: successful, or you, my zone friend, will cease to exist. The screen went blank, and
0: Gerald stood motionless. Herrick and his zones passed through a blasted hole in the conduit. He ordered the zones up the reservoir side. They scrambled like tiny insects up the massive stone wall. Hurry, cried Herrick.
1: I know they are not far ahead.
0: McGee stood on rocks at the base of the mountain range. The lights from the control sector were shimmering in the extensive reservoir waters, and beyond the barrier wall, the lights of the basin twinkled in the haze. Not much longer, said the winded Kellogg as he rubbed his temples. I wish I had something for that headache, General. We have much farther to go, said McGee. I'll be all right as soon as I get up on those rocks. The bomb could go off at any time. Herrick was at the top of the reservoir shell. He looked at the stone ceiling and then pulled out his communication screen. Commander Gerald he said, still looking upward.
1: He spotted a hole in the rock above. Herrick, you have them. Commander, they...
0: Before the zone could continue, there was a bright flash up front. The reservoir of rock split in prodigious cracks along the shell. Water gushed through the entire wall. The tremendous weight produced a cataclysm that pushed everything away in its path. Look, down there, shouted Docker, and they all turned. To the right, the reservoir collapsed in a thunderous roar. The shimmering light transformed into cascading water funnels like a knife carved into the landscape, ripping apart the upper ground. Lights shut down in its path. The XB building and the entire sector mowed down as the water moved into the basin. You did it, General. You did it exclaimed mcgee the general was seated against a rock holding both sides of his head what's the matter general he allows it, okay it's the food it has to be the food yelled mcgee there's nothing that can be done about the food it was distributed hours ago mcgee i don't think it's the food he said as he rose to his feet trying to shake off the pain let's just get up that mountain what about the basin asked aaron we should try and get back and save the people Didn't you hear me, Aaron? It's too late. If we go back, the zones will kill us for sure, yelled Kellogg. You can go back, as for me, he said as he winced. I'm going up that damn mountain. McGee was silent. Once again, the general had a point. Going back to the basin would only serve to get them all killed. They would have to attempt scaling the basin mountains and leave the basin completely. The night was long and the climb was steep. As they moved up the ledges, the basin lights were even more spectacular, but the air grew colder at the higher altitude, and adding to the problems was Kellogg's deteriorating condition. Although the general stoically faced the journey, he was, without a doubt, in a great deal of pain. Daka and Aaron kept pace with McGee as he traveled ahead to see what lay beyond the mountains. He could feel the wind picking up now, blew his hair back, Buttoning his vest, he climbed higher and turned and looked back toward the others. The lights of the sectors captured his attention as they formed definite patterns along the roadways. He could see all the roads leading to the individual locusts. What was going on down there? Was the food actually sabotaged? He turned upward again, moving against the cold wind. At least fifteen minutes had passed before he saw the top of the mountains. It reminded him of Potrero Grande, except the blowing air was cold, with no snow just the dim light from the basin below. I see the top, he called down to the others. It's about time, growled the general through much pain. McGee raced for the top, higher and higher, expectations growing as he reached the last ledge, breathing heavily and wondering what was on the other side. He caught his breath, then he slinked up the final rocks and poked his head over the top. The area was extremely dark and very breezy. In fact, he could hear the wind moving like water over the cliff. He climbed onto the flat rocks, glancing briefly back to the basin as he moved into the darkness. Although the upper rocks were basically level, McGee had trouble even with the smallest rut. And in the very dim light, only about fifty feet ahead, he could almost see the indiscernible outline of a giant precipice. A precipice straight down to nothing. "'All this way?' he shouted. "'All this way for nothing?' but he was obsessed with getting over the mountain. The same mountains he had stared at every day for months. He began running along the ledges through the indefinite light and taking a great risk. The others were coming up behind him over the basin ridge. They could hear him yelling as he ran. I can't see anything. I can't. Nothing. Where is he now? asked Kellogg. pain spread down his back. He walked slowly, hunched over as he moved. Bridge! There's a bridge! There's a bridge!" called McGee through the darkness. Over here! A bridge! That's very encouraging, <laughs> said Aaron as he put his shoulder under the General's armpit. Kellogg did not bark at the aid. He now knew something had been placed in the food. Whatever it was, it spread throughout his body. They could see McGee again, standing next to a white walkway, stretching out on the rocks and into the blackness.
2: Where does it go?
0: I don't know, yelled McGee, pointing to the surface. Bridge 75, station 32. So what does that mean? asked Arka. I don't know, he said, looking at Kellogg. He must have put something in the food. I've got the general, McGee. You go up ahead, we'll be right behind. McGee, get across that bridge and find out what's on the other side. Boarded Kellogg, I'm counting on you to get us through. So we can get the Ram Damar. Just go. Go. McGee took DACA's hand as they moved onto the walkway. Air blew upward at an alarming rate. They moved very precariously into the darker area. With only the railing for support, they moved miles with no sign of light. McGee wondering just where it all ended. McGee was seriously thinking of turning back, but a very faint light appeared in the distance. With that light came fog. Moisture collected on their faces as they inched their way into the glow. They moved out of the fog, off the walkway and onto a flat metal floor. Overhead was a single bright light on a ceiling that sloped backward up over the precipice. Ahead, about a hundred feet from there, was a wall with several flashing red lights. McGee ran ahead of Docker and up to the wall. He found a console with glowing blue letters, Station 32. He rapped on the wall, the sound echoed. It seemed like a very thin layer of steel with paint baked into the finish. This must be the last line of defense. I can already tell you what Kellogg is going to say. Blast a hole in it. Exactly. Let's wait for them to catch up, McGee, she said, running her fingers over the wall. Leaving the basin is a reality I never envisioned. I know the feeling. He put his arm around her. Daka, I'm worried about Kellogg. If something really is wrong with him, it means the whole basin will be affected. I thought you said you were the one who never thought negative. I know we have to keep going. I just don't want to think of the consequences. Aaron, supporting the general, moved out of the fog. Kellogg, although somewhat bent over, tried valiantly to control the pain. General, are you... What are you going to do, McGee? I was going to put a hole in the wall, General, he answered. It was clear the general did not want sympathy because of his condition.
2: Then do it, man,
0: do it. Yes, sir, replied McGee softly. He got down on one knee and aimed the rifle forward. Slowly squeezing the trigger, he watched the blue light pierce through the wall. He cut a rounded archway next to the console. The metal was glowing bright red, and then it fell forward. Be careful, he said as he got to his feet. The metal will be hot. McGee moved forward, hopping over its side. No wonder no one ever leaves here. What do you mean? Yelled Darker. There's another wall ahead said McGee as he took aim. This time, however, the bright blue energy nearly bounced off the barrier. He rushed forward. The wall of a bright red metallic consistency had not even been scathed by the energy. That didn't even dent it. It's the red metal. Kellogg, this wall is made of the red metal, cried McGee as he rapped again. This wall is unlike the thinner steel wall. It's impenetrable. Kellogg, leaning on Aaron's arm, came to the outer area. you damn right, McGee. The red metal, the hardest substance ever produced by man. There's nothing that can cut through it, asked McGee. Nothing. They were even thinking of lining our nuclear silos with it. McGee looked up. Behind the inner wall was an opening. More likely the top of a precipice ceiling. To the right, down the wall, was an embedded ladder in the wall. Where are you going now, McGee? asked Aaron. McGee was halfway down the ladder. Soon he was over the top and out of sight. He could hear his footsteps move over the outside ceiling. He ran to the basin light so far away. The upper ceiling, however, ended abruptly. And McGee was astounded by what he saw. The stars! I see stars up there! Daka ran ahead of her brother as Aaron waited for Kellogg to regain his strength. There was only dim light above, but as she moved outward, the stars came into view overhead. Even the basin lights were shining brightly below, but she stopped when she saw McGee. It was as if he were merely standing on air. She walked up the end of the ceiling floor and stuck her feet out over the edge. There was a hard layer of glass or plastic that sloped upward to the night sky, and McGee, now several hundred feet away, traversed that clear layer. He had reached a walkway of the same material. It reached backward, away from the dome's incline and over the area they had just climbed. He saw the others shuffling slowly across the transparent dome. It was an awesome sight to see the basin lights so far below and the stars above, but he could not compare that to what he saw beyond the mountains. McGee, what do you see up there? She could see him sitting almost suspended in the air above. Can you see beyond the mountains? McGee was silent and just stared ahead, afraid to tell her what had come into view. The walkway extended back several miles and was connected to a dirt-colored brim, the outside brim that began at the base of yet another upper dome. Against this starry backdrop, buildings covered the outer brim, a brim that was truly on the edge of space, with spaceships flying overhead and docking at designated points in an airless vacuum. The basin, began Daka, horrified as she looked up at McGee, and then back into space. The basin! It's in space. This is hard to believe, exclaimed Kellogg. An artificial environment, General, said McGee with wonder, constructed by the Ram Ma to keep his humans caged. Then where is the Citadel? Kellogg wanted to know. Wherever the planet is, said McGee, Aaron was silent tears in his eyes as he took his sister by the hand. They moved forward onto the walkway so they could view the outside area alone. Everything they had learned to believe, all the concepts about the basin, were now null and void. He turned from the outside, squinting as he looked at her. It's a new reality, Daka. I've never been through space, she said ironically. Tell me if you know the answer. But where do we go from here? The glass walkway was several miles in length. They were mesmerized by the outer area. As they moved forward, however, this outer brim became slowly obscured by a lower wall. McGee stayed behind, gazing at the large spaceship just above the wall. He tried to memorize its exact location, and then he and Daka ran ahead toward large glowing red wall doors. But Kellogg was tiring rapidly, feeling lightheaded as he approached the end of the walkway. Aaron helped him sit down. I'm going to kill the Ram Damar. We'll blow this whole place up, said the general, constantly rubbing his temples. General, I don't think it would be a good idea for you to start any attacks, said Aaron as he squatted down beside the general. He looked very closely at the general's temples. Very slightly, the sides of Kellogg's head seemed to be imploding or tightening. General, your temples. I know. Aaron, I know. Something's gone wrong. My whole head feels numb. Look, I know we can get to the Citadel from here. How can we get there? asked the larger man. McGee knows it. I know he does. Those ships. Those ships. That's what he's doing now. He'll get the location of that ship we saw out there. Then you think we can ride through space? asked Aaron. He saw McGee and Docker returning from the outer wall. McGee! The General says the ships are out there just like the ones over the pit. Then you have the same idea I do. We have to get on board. General, you... Stop gawking, William McGee? Something's happened to my head. What in God's name was in that food? Asked McGee as he knelt down to get a better look. Get away, I tell you, ordered the angry Kellogg. He just wanted to use me, McGee. He's sick. He wanted me to be the one who gave the food to the Basin people. The food that he tampered with. Can't feel guilty, General, Docker told him. Who feels guilty? I feel stupid. If I hadn't been so fired up over this starvation, I could have prevented the distribution. That's just the way it is. But we'll have the last say in this, won't we, McGee? Yes, sir, said the sad McGee. Look, Docker and I found doors up front. This is called the perimeter station. Apparently they use this area to check the base and make repairs or or whatever. What we have to do is get inside, General. You think you can travel? No compensation on my part, said Kellogg as he stood. Nobody's going to treat me like a little old lady. Let's go. Let's get down there. I don't mean to put a damper on all this, said Aaron, as he held Kellogg, but we can't just walk in there and take over that ship. Why not? asked McGee. There's a ship right above us. Someday, McGee, your luck is going to run out. I say they'll be all over us the minute we step through those doors. We've been lucky to get this far. Maybe we should just think this whole thing through. No, we have, just like before, no choice, Aaron. The zones are coming up the mountain are from out in there. We have to go right up there, he said, pointing to his right. And he might be right. The Zombs could be waiting for us. I don't want to die. With McGee and Kellogg leading the way, they walked directly up to the red glowing doors. McGee had already studied the control box. It was uncoated and he pushed the proper buttons. The doors smoothly slid open. Light was cast into the inner area. Assuming their firing position, they rushed to the inside corridor. It was lined with silver and black gridded walls and had a white floor and it was quite empty. There was no time to think. They ran forward down the long corridor. Even the side rooms were deserted. Kellogg tried to move quickly, but he slowed McGee. Aaron finally moved to the front and supported him from the other side. Stay close to us, Daka, he warned as they moved ahead. Down this way! At the end of the corridor was an enormous steel sphere within the grid. They rushed forward, their progress unimpeded as they made it to the sphere. McGee moved over to the panels next to the edge and pushed a large blue button. A readout screen popped up. How do we know where to stop? asked Docker as she tried to figure out the listings. There, docking station 5. I saw a large 5 on that brim. Let's hope. That's it, he said as he pushed a sensor next to the designation. The sphere opened from an inner seam. The inside of this elevator was covered with a red velvet material and an inner couch surrounded the walls. They moved inside, helping Kellogg to the couch. McGee pushed another blue button, and the doors closed tightly, and the elevator moved forward. In light of the collapse, the General's temples were even more vivid. The top of his head had condensed downward, added to the widened brows and hunched back. Kellogg's metamorphosis was frightening. "'I feel like hell,' he said, closing his eyes. "'And I'm very, very tired.' "'General!' the General was unconscious. McGee listened for his heartbeat. He's still alive? Damn this! It's that food, Aaron said as he looked at McGee. And what about the people of the basin? The screen lighted up behind them. Blue light infiltrated the whole elevator as the Ram Dama moved into viewing range. You may set down your weapons now. McGee sprang to his feet like a jack-in-the-box.
2: I am gratified that you know me. How long has it been, McGee? A few thousand or so years? Ha 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 You butcher, holding these people, caging them within the basin, and now this XB, you- Oh, so vengeful, McGee. So full of hate. Tell me what you've done. What's happened to all these people? I'm afraid your questions will be unanswered at this time. You have reached your destination, docking station five. A double contingent of zones will be waiting for you. You have not put down your weapons by that time. They will kill you. The choice is up to you. McGee's upper lip tightened
0: as he threw his weapons on the elevator floor. Kellogg is ill because of the
2: XB. What's going on? I see he's developing right on schedule. He will be brought with you to the Citadel. You will be granted an audience with me, and then I will decide what I'm going to do with you. You won't let these people control their own destiny. The people of the Basin want a voice. We have to put a stop to the idea that it is a part of everybody's civil rights to say what he pleases. You just feed them what you want them to know. What about the best and the brightest? To whom should the propaganda be addressed, McGee? (laughs) to the scientifically trained intelligentsia or the less educated humans. It must always be addressed and exclusively to the humans. You have denied food to the Basin people in the past. When there is not enough to eat, the people will starve to death. It is better to let half the people die and let the other half eat their fill. Just tell them the truth. Truth is the most precious thing. That's why we ration it in freedom. Freedom is the recognition of necessity. So what are you going to do with this food? Asked Daka. Will it be the end of everything? The end is what you want, and the means is how you get it. So you've seeded the XB-234? For humans, those traits pass into hybrid association are almost entirely unchanged. Thus, the humans representing the traits of the hybrid are term-dominating, and those that become latent in the association, recessive. Speak English, said McGee. Members of the insurgency and the Basin people will no longer be the instruments for carrying out my orders and desires. They will no longer see themselves as responsible for their actions. How? How did you do it? What would you say if humans were internally subjected to an electric stimulus? You mean a shock. Call it what you will, McGee. There will be triggers for bad behavior, embedded genetically. Everyone will comply because people tend to obey orders from other people if they recognize their authority as morally right or legally based. And that is how they will view me. Screen filled with
0: snow as the Ram Damar's image disappeared. The elevator slowed. Aaron and Docker discarded their weapons as the doors opened. At least 50 zones were scattered across the docking bay. All their weapons were aimed at the elevator doors. McGee's mouth dropped as Jarrell moved around the side of the doors. Jarrell!
1: If I had my way, McGee, you would all be dead. You destroyed the control sector and portions of sectors 9 and 10.
0: Just how did you survive, asked Aaron.
1: I was able to figure out with my superior intellect your plan. I merely entered the subport system. The subport, asked McGee. The subport leads to the perimeter, of course. This brim, asked Daka. Yes, now get out,
0: he said, motioning to the other zones. Lift the general out and put him on the spacecraft. The zones quickly forced them out of the elevator and pushed them across the massive cargo bays. The long, red-winged spacecraft had been placed atop a silver pedestal at the far end of the docking bay. They were forced up to a lower rampway and onto the pedestal itself. Within minutes, the pedestal moved along the docking bay floor. When it had reached the far end, the massive white walls closed behind it and the area depressurized prisoners were placed in a tiny room in front of a window wall. A panoply of bright stars was spread out before them as the outer locks opened. Docker and Aaron gazed out the window. McGee, come over to this window, she called. McGee was kneeling over the unconscious general, checking under his eyelids. Kellogg's face was very pale, almost pathetically protruding from his reconfigurated skull. McGee stood up slowly, shaking his head as he went over to the window. Sickening. I think Kellogg would rather be dead than be transformed like this. Unbelievable. Is this what awaits us all at the Citadel? That is entirely up to the Ram Damar, The third predicator, said Aaron, still looking out the window. Yes, the Ram Ma. The spacecraft moved across the light brown perimeter. Below, hundreds of block-like buildings with countless glowing windows formed a complex space-side city. As they gained speed and moved outward, the sloping glass basin skewed their perspective. That area contained the basin. We live there, said Aaron softly. Our world, McGee. Our world was fabricated. The red light filtered up from the edge of the perimeter and the curvature of the massive red planet that McGee had seen in the desert rose upward. At this distance, gases could be seen swirling around like cataclysmic typhoons over the surface. Varying shades of red swept out of the control. That's it, exclaimed McGee. That's the planet that rose out of the sea, which means your desert planet must be some distance away. McGee pushed his teeth against his lower lip. The ship dipped outward and the upper perimeter and basin dome went out of view. Bathed in the gaseous planet's light, they saw the lower extremities of the basin itself. Bright blue and green light spun around its base at high speed, producing the sensation of gravity above. The sheer size of this constructed environment was almost beyond comprehension. The piercing beams of brilliant sunlight shot over the corner of the planet. They shielded their eyes momentarily as the ship swung to the right. Now the entire basin was before them. The sunlight hit the upper dome, and they knew the dawn was breaking over the basin. Join us next week for another adventurous episode of the... Join us again next week for another adventurous episode of the Ram Damas Kingdom, Who is He Who Commands the Masses? Produced by Fitton Theatre of the Words.